Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jerry Van Heese. Welcome back to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Heese, and it is Friday, October 15th. We are halfway through October, guys, and we have a special bonus episode for you here today. I'm going to call this one... October hunt indicators. So what that means is there's a lot of stuff happening right now um, today, this weekend, that I want you guys to just consider, you know, your trail camera pictures, the weather, your property, hunting pressure, and just think about when is the right time to strike. We talk about our, our land plan clients all the time with them, um, you know, stay out till the time is right. Well, a lot of things might be lining up for certain people in certain areas uh, sooner than later. So it's been warm the past couple of weeks. We got our first cold front coming in. We talk about some roadkill. We talk about some estra cycles. We talk about mock scrapes. Is it too late to get a mock scrape out? Just a great, quick episode with our friend Jim Lombardi, uh, who is back on Habitat Podcast number 90, 90. I strongly urge you to go back and check that out. That was one of our best episodes with so much information on mock scrapes and making bucks hunt you. So swing back to episode 90, listen to that. And then Jim is back on today to talk about things that are happening now in October and what those mean to us as hunters. So I want to thank everybody for coming back and, and tuning in. This is kind of a bonus episode real quick. We have episode number 150. Huge episode coming next week, guys. Uh, So be sure to Come back and listen then, subscribe, leave us a great review, all the good stuff you normally hear. I want to thank our sponsors and get right into the show for us. I want to thank Packer Max Cult of Packers, Killer Food Plots, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Exodus Trail Cameras, The Squirrel at NutPlanter.com, Morse Nursery, Afflictor Broadheads, and Realtree United Country Land Pro Lake States Realty and Auction. All right, guys. I uh, hope you have a successful weekend. It's looking good. Brian and I will be in the woods. We can't wait to hear your successes. Let us know, and um, good luck. Shoot straight, and let's get into it with Jim Lombardi, October Hunting Indicators. 
All right, Jim, welcome back to the podcast. How you been, brother? Pretty good. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks for hopping on here. I know uh, you're on the road right now, but I want to get let everybody know we had you back on one of my favorite episodes on episode 90. Um, we talked all things. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Mock scrapes, you know, making bucks hunt you, uh, Mitch Rompola, deer sense of smell, all that good stuff back on episode 90. That's been one of our, our highlight podcasts, Jim, so congratulations. Wow, I I didn't realize. I just hope to uh, have a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of enter- and a lot of entertainment. I guess <laughs> the entertainment factor is definitely there. <laughs> Thank you. So, what you been up to these days? You know, I have done little for myself because I'm building a home, and I'm right at the uh, back end of that. Um, and I really haven't hunted much. I haven't skied. I water skied a little bit this summer, but I love to be in the outdoors. And the only outdoors I've been doing is sticking stone on my house. So I'm ready to do some hunting. Heck, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's about perfect timing. I know um, it's the 14th of October while we're recording this here. And, and you haven't been out at all yet, right? Not once. I went out last Sunday to set some new stands. My property, I think I've talked about this property in the past, but it is so underwater that half of my great stands that are in, like, near bedding areas and things like that are literally, like, hip high in water. And I've never seen it like this in the fall. So, basically, now I have a bunch of funnels that I'm dealing with because they don't, you know, unless they want to swim, um, you know, I'm, I've had to change my uh, strategies around a little bit on this property. So. Yeah. I don't see them really going through the water, more walking the edges unless, you know, the pressure's there. So. Exactly. Well, I know I haven't been out and thank God it's been warm and, and, you know, full of mosquitoes so I ha- I don't feel really bad about not being out if you know what I mean oh man I'm in the same boat literally uh I went out opening opening night saw a bunch of deer a bunch of does a uh, little buck actually saw this little buck was um bumping does around so that was kind of cool but uh that was you know two weeks ago I'm, I'm with you it's been way too hot I hate mosquitoes and we've been just busier than heck with all kinds of family stuff and personal stuff but um yeah now now we're talking you're you're headed up north to uh help some hunters and and then we got a cold for coming this weekend so it's getting getting about that time yeah yeah i'm doing a little guiding for a friend of mine who owns a ranch and uh has some hunters coming from out of state and just uh you know at least i'll be out there you know enjoying myself heck yeah well I hope when you get back, you can slide out next week maybe or, or get something soon. But they, well, the reason we wanted to have you on here is to talk about, you know, mid-October and, and kind of mid to late October indicators, if you will, or things that we should all be looking for, waiting for to make our moves. So 
Um, how this all got started, Corey and I were yapping on the phone, and he, he was supposed to be on here, but he couldn't make it. We were we were talking about mock scrapes. Some people were asking us if uh, it's too late to make a mock scrape, at, you know, being mid-October. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I would say absolutely not too late. Um, right now, the Bucks are really starting to scrape. They're starting to develop, you know, who the king is, who's going to have the first uh, opportunity to tap a dough. <laughs> so, I mean, I think right now is the time. I mean, it's not too late. It, it could have been better if you started earlier. Mock scrapes. One of the key things with Max Scrapes is creating a social, um, basically a social spot on a go-to all the time, right? And um, that opportunity gives them, you know, or that Max Scrape gives them an opportunity to put their scent in a specific location so that other deer can smell them. Now that we're getting to a point where deer are starting to think about the rut coming up, um, the bucks are starting to really overmark each other's scrapes. So what I would suggest in this situation, if you're just going out for the first time to make a mock scrape, is find an area where there's a real scrape or there's a lot of rubs and make your own scrape. And what that's going to do is all the guys that have been hitting that other scrape are going to that some other buck came in and he's trying to make his own territory there. And um, that's a really good opportunity to even overmark the existing scrape and then maybe walk another 15 feet away and make a brand-new scrape with, with, you know, a product like Buck Fever um, where you can add a different smell to the woods that they're not used to. Great advice. I. I would agree. I think, uh, you know, now is normally when, within the last week or so, is when a lot of people are transitioning their their uh, scrapes or their cameras over their scrapes. All right, so what I was saying was about this time, uh, within the last week, I normally switch my cameras over to scrapes. So making one right now would, uh, you know, behoove somebody versus not I think I mean I, I made most of mine two three weeks ago but right now like you said if you can go in there and act like another buck you know scent is crucial and guys we have all the directions on how to do this back on episode 90 so please go back and listen to that twice it's it's really an excellent show and um but if you can get in there and, and make one right now maybe during a rainstorm or you know it's raining right now it could be something to do. So I, I would agree, Jim. I don't think it's too late. I think uh, there's probably a certain time on how long they last in terms of activity and whatnot. Um, when would you hunt over them? Oh, right now. I mean, bucks are – today I had on one camera three does that came into the scrape and put their nose up into the forehead gland. And then um, I had two small bucks hit the scrape uh, later in the day, you know, so really right now that tells me it's kind of still like a social spot. Um, but what's going to happen is you're going to see that more activity will happen around that scrape. And then when, 
when I really want to target a buck is when a buck takes over the scrape. And that can happen anytime from, I'd say, the 25th to, let's say, through gun season. Okay, I had a buck several years back where I had probably, I think there were seven or eight different decent bucks coming to this scrape. And um, nothing I wanted to shoot. You know, year-and-a-half-year-olds, two-and-a-half-year-olds, maybe a three-year-old that was not very privileged with his rack, but a big body. And um, all of a sudden, I was out in Missouri hunting, and I got a picture of this giant, okay, that came into the scrape. And he took that scrape over. That was, I want to say, around November 12th, right before gun season. And he took the scrape over. I have video. I had it on video and uh, the camera. And I have video of him breeding a doe in the scrape. I had. A, I have another video of him with his nose up the doe's, you know, pushing her with his nose in her butt. And then I have several, and this was what was so cool, several videos of him laying in the scrape. I've only seen that a couple times, but he basically, all these bucks were using this scrape that I saw from late summer through the fall, and then he said, this is mine, okay, because he probably smelled enough mature does in that area that were also visiting the scrape, and he said, "This, is, you know, I'm just taking this over, and I'm going to breed these mature does, so... Um, we actually, not me, because I'm so generous with my friends, I didn't kill him, but one of my buddies killed him. And um, I had to leave for a meeting for work, came back at 3 o'clock, and on my way back out, I heard bang. And my my friend said he came right from that scrape. So, wow. uh, Nick, you owe me on that one. But <laughs> that's just a story. It, it's It's the real deal is – a lot of times you'll get a transitional buck, a buck that hasn't even been in that area. He's just on his feet from two or three properties away, and he comes into that scrape that's been so active, and he says, wow, this is a good spot for me to hang out, right? And um, so that's it, – it, you can start hunting scrapes right now. You never know what's going to show up. But um, my key time to do it is when I start to see the big bucks just take it over. Then I sit on that scrape all day long. Yeah, and that's that's some great points you brought up. Um, I have cell cameras on on multiple scrapes right now, probably six or so. And and like you said, I have does for the last two weeks, mature does, like big does in it every single day. I mean, they're not they're not you know peeing in it that I've seen, but they're rubbing their their nose and their glands up there. Um, up in the, the looking branch, in the leaves. And, I mean, if you have that going on every day, you just you got to think it's a matter of time before, you know, who comes next. So I'm thinking absolutely with the does in there every day, you just confirmed it by, by saying that. And then I've actually also had two good three-year-olds working uh, on my 15 acres. Probably, I think it was Sunday – and Monday and Tuesday this week, um, one right During at During daylight, or are they in the evening? Yeah. One was right at, at the end of shooting light, and the rest are in the evening. So 
it's been warm all week, and that was, you know, three, four days ago, but we got that cold front coming this weekend. So I don't know if I'm too early or not, but uh, I'm thinking it might be time to, to strike based on the amount of activity the scrapes are seeing and then what we haven't talked about yet, that pending cold front coming. Yeah, that cold front, I mean, I don't care if it's 90 degrees and it goes down to 70, that's still a cold front. I mean, when you see a big change in the weather um, and the barometer uh, is in the right spot, you know, around 30 or so, it is, is definitely triggers, you know, animal activity and bucks will get on their feet more often and more during the day. Um, and then the other thing, too, is the competition gets them to move more during the day. And I, I know I talk about buck fever. I used to own the company, and I believe in it a lot. Okay, I wouldn't have bought the company if I didn't believe in it. I sold it to some good guys in New York and um, still involved with it. But the reason why I like that product so much is it, it reactivates. So it, it actually uh, crystallizes in the ground and on the tree, and it reactivates with moisture. Why that's important is because, like today it rained, that buck thinks that you were in there, or, you know, you, a different buck, were in there today and re, you know, and, and urinated on the on the scrape again, right? Because that rain brought that scent back up. So, it, so now that competition starts to create, get created. More bucks are basically peeing on that, uh, on that fire hydrant, like I told you before in, in episode 90, what we're doing is we're basically putting a fire hydrant in the woods, just like dogs overmark each other. The bucks start to do that too. So really having trail cameras, especially cameras that can send you the picture to your phone, you can really start to um, catalog what bucks are there and decide when you're going to jump on that scrape to hunt it. You know, in my opinion, do you want to, jump on that scrape right now when you're not getting a big buck on it. I mean, if you see a buck that you want to shoot on it, absolutely. But when he starts to take it over and he's the only one that's frequenting it, that's when I go and I put the the ruts in and not the pre-post. And I don't want to get into all that, but right now we're using a scent that's not powerful. It's basically, it's it means anything urinated in it, a doe, a buck, a young buck, it doesn't matter. When we put the rut scent in, let's say after you start to see this big buck take over, basically what you're telling him is that another dominant buck doesn't agree that he should take that scrape over. And when that happens, two things happen. Those will smell that dominant scent, and they will hang out near that scrape. Mature does don't want to breed a young buck. They want to breed the, the most mature buck. So when you introduce the rut scent, you're introducing, let's say, a four-and-a-half-year-old buck to the to the equation, and now you're pissing off the other buck that was there, which means he's going to frequent it more, and even in the daylight, in my favorite time, after a little bit of a rain, because he thinks he needs to put his scent back in there. Right. So um, it's it's really a good opportunity to hunt those scrapes. You know what, and and what's making me think possibly this weekend, there's the first cold front of October. We've had severely warm weather. It's 76 out right now. It's going to be 55 as a high on Saturday, 40 in the morning. And then 
to add on to that. So that's that's you know October indicator getting the woods number one is that cold front. Number two, you just said it. It's raining today, Thursday. It's going to rain tomorrow, Friday. Saturday, no rain. So those deer, not only are they going to have a cold front, they're going to have to freshen up these scrapes after being rained on for two days. Um, exactly. And then lastly, the third thing that's making me think to get out there, I have multiple years of camera history of this weekend being day-late activity on my property. I don't know why. I don't know the reason. I just know that mid-October, the, the first cold front in mid-October, I have bucks show up on their feet in daylight. So I'm thinking, I got two choices. I wait, like you're saying, I wait and I monitor and I wait for the buck to actually take over the scrape. But I saw them there earlier this week. Or my thought is, be there like past history and be in the tree when he shows up this weekend like it's happened the last three years in a row. Um, That's a great idea. I, I think I think you should get in there. And, I mean, as long as you're clean and, you know, you go in and you get out, there's no reason not to be in there, right? I mean, that's uh, especially with history. I mean, people that hunt, I've been hunting the same property for 25 years, I know exactly what you're talking about. There are certain times that I always have good luck, you know, in, in the, on that property. And it, I, I don't know if it's, you know, it has a lot to do with the moon and everything else, but, you know, you also have a history with the property uh, based on weather and conditions for sure. Exactly, exactly. Well, there's there's also a, some other indicators that I wanted to, to cover with you here real quick while, while I got you. How have, have you been seeing any sort of breeding or fighting around i know october 1st i saw a young buck dogging some does around okay that's that's fine um and you know the estrus cycle on on whitetails is like a bell curve right i'm sure we have some early ones that come in and then the majority happens at the same time every year but i mean like i've seen a full-on three-year-old chase does on the 20th of october before and that's like that's less than a week away so what, what what's your thoughts oh, for on, sure on the astrocycles, or have you seen any activity on cameras or anything or whatever? For sure. Well, one of the biggest indicators is, have you driven on the highway lately? <laughs> Not I mean, right in, literally in front of my house, okay, on 23, there's two bucks dead from last night. Wow. And then there's a doe about 100 yards down. And those are fresh from last night. So that tells me something because the two bucks are together. So I don't know if they were on her or what, but the other thing too, is I drove through Ann Arbor yesterday and right in downtown Ann Arbor. Right. And three bucks within a half a mile that were killed right on the road, right in town. So a lot more dead deer on the road tells me that, you know, there's a little bit of pushing going on or a little bit more traveling, cruising happening, so that's that's one indicator. I, I don't think anybody would deny that. The other indicator um, is, yes, I, I was on Facebook the other day, and some guy posted a picture in Kent County, Michigan, of a buck on a doe on her back. And he's like, well, I think I think the rut started in Kent County already, right? I mean, that's, that's unusual, but you never know. I mean, a, a, and it was a young buck. I mean, a young buck could be just like a young, a young 
you know, puppy. He wants to hump everything. But, I mean, it tells me something got him yeah. got him stirred up. And then the other thing is, um, you know, this time of year is when you might see, remember, bucks cruise together all summer long. Now you're starting to see bucks separate and cruising by themselves, right? So that tells me a lot. They're, they're out of their bachelor groups. They're starting to develop their hierarchy. They're not tolerating each other as much because they have, um, you know, hard horns and their, their hormones are starting to kick up. And, yes, I have trail cam pictures of bucks sparring. I have trail cam pictures of bucks that look like they're actually – pushing on each other pretty hard. So I've seen bucks spar in September, um, but now I'm seeing it more where they're really pushing on each other. So I I think we're real close to the beginning. You know, we're in the pre-transition phase. It's like not quite the rut, but they're thinking about it. Amen. Amen. I think uh, you hit a a lot of great points there. I've noticed that uptick in roadkill as well um never thought about it this early but then again I'm, i haven't been on the road as much as i used to be and i think uh that's what cory and i were talking about again he's supposed to be on this show he couldn't make it but he mentioned uh, he usually sees two different upticks one right around now of roadkill and then you know the normal one that we all see probably early november late october um i know obviously you see a lot of deer with their heads cut off on the side of the road nice bucks and Oh, for sure. Yeah. But already, I mean, this early, and then you got that got that nice weather coming. And uh, I think the warm weather in the first couple of weeks of the season probably saved a lot of bucks' lives, too. So there's that much more, you know, testosterone running around getting ramped up for, for the pre-rut here. I agree. I mean, I think some guys shot some dandy bucks early on. Um, but there's a lot of guys that, you know, I – I'm just not excited about being out in 80-degree weather. Um, you know, I would rather personally just hold off and get in there when the time's right. But, uh, you know, I know a lot of my buddies, man, they they will not miss the opener. I mean, I, I used to be like that. I would not miss the opener for anything. It was the biggest day. I just postseason was so huge for me that opening day. But now that I've gotten older and I'm hunting a little bit smarter and I'm I'm just maybe not as ambitious as I used to be to just get out every day, every moment, um, you know, I think there's a lot of bucks that didn't get killed that normally would get killed because guys held off, right? <clears throat> yep. So wrapping, wrapping our, our October indicator segment up here, when when are you going to get in the woods next, and when I'm sorry, and where are you going to be set up? Explain your your perfect setup. I know you're probably waiting on some camera intel or something like that, but based on past history, um, where are you going to spend the next week or two waiting for the pre rut to really kick off here? So I haven't had a ton of time to scout. Typically, this time of year, beginning of the year, I'm hunting. You know, transitions to food sources. Um, you know. I hunt oak ridges where there's, you know, tons of acorns on the ground and, um, you know, along field edges, I have the, you know, the perfect spot for that. That's probably 
where I'm going to continue to hunt. I'm probably not going to hunt over my scrapes. I'm going to hunt over this oak ridge that they're still hammering, and there's a bean field, um, so there's a lot of good runs coming in and out of there. So that's probably what I'm going to focus on is still the the food sources. Um, but, again, I'm going to be monitoring those scrapes, and if I see some heavier activity there, then I went and scouted, like I said, on Sunday, not even looking at this property. Normally, I would have been out there in August and checking things out, or July. I, I wasn't doing that. I was working on my house. But what I did notice is, wow, what a difference in movement patterns now that that's all flooded. So I might have just a super opportunity for myself to just get on that high ground. There's a spot where it's, it's kind of like a high spot where they sometimes they'll bet on it, but it, it's more of a transition out of the betting from the neighbors. And I think the, from what I can see, there's a lot of deer using that trail. So what I might do is just get back about a hundred yards off of the, you know, the bean field on that high spot and just see what comes by me. Cause you never know what's going to walk by in the evening there. And that's near bedding, right? Near cover or in cover? It's kind of in between, so it's it's coming from cover. Okay. So I think they their bedding is underwater. Most of their bedding is, when I say underwater, it's it's underwater. It's like hip high. So, so now they're changing. I think what they're doing is they're bedding in the um, the CRP fields that are behind me that are higher, and because I'm seeing. New new train new runs, new heavy beat down runs that are staying on that high side coming out of those fields, and I think uh, there's a great opportunity there. I didn't put a camera on it, but just from the sign that I saw and the big piles of you know buck crap that's you know solid buck crap. There's there's got to be a couple decent bucks on that run. That's awesome. That's I, I think, uh, like you said, that water is going to push them out, make them shift. And if you're if you're seeing some new signs, some new trails, beat down paths, kind of maybe near the water's edge where they're still using that, or or something similar, that that's that makes sense to me for sure. Yeah, sometimes you have to change it up. You have to look at you know all the different things that happened. I mean, I know my property is not the only property that's underwater. I mean, a lot of my friends are telling me the same thing. They, you know, my one friend can't even hunt because his entire, he's like, it just, there's just no reason even to go in there. So, um, yeah, if you got some spots that are good, make the best of them. Yep. Well, Jim, this is awesome. I think uh, the goal of this was just to get something relevant out there in a timely manner right before things are about to turn turn on. People say October lull, that's great. Um, I'm seeing it I'm seeing it as an opportunity coming up here because I think the first two weeks have been a lull. So I know uh, I know my buddy Dustin, he just sent me a picture of a buck in daylight right now. And literally as we're talking wow. say, saying he wishes he was in the stand. And we're talking, you know, Hesperia, Michigan where the hunting's uh, hunting's tough. So hopefully uh this helps a few people, you know, consider 
some options for this weekend, this next week, and maybe make some some smart game time decisions. So, Jim, thank you very much yeah. for hopping on here. My pleasure, my pleasure. I mean, uh, one one other thing I wanted to just mention is, is oh, please do. You know, people people can't bait right now, or they shouldn't be. Okay, there's a lot of people baiting that shouldn't be, but. You know, when I talked to the DNR, I guess they said they're going to hammer people this year. They didn't do it last year, but um, I actually busted a guy next door and poaching on my property, and they busted him pretty good. And um, he basically said we're we're really taking a stand this year on baiting. And so my point on that is I, I really believe that a lot less people are baiting. I mean, I'm not taking the chance. I'm in the industry. There's just not any opportunity for me. It doesn't help me anyways. I am excited that they're not baiting because people can start to learn how to hunt again, right? right. But yeah. but because there's not baiting, food sources are that much more critical. So if you feel that, you know, maybe a lot of your neighbors are not baiting, I mean, these deer have to eat, and the acorn crop is crazy right now. I know I mentioned it earlier, but... I mean, this is the time where they need to get fat before the rut. So that's why I said I'm going to be concentrating on food sources. And that's one of the reasons, because there's not a bait pile every 50 yards anymore. Great point. Great point there, too. That was my last thing. I I wanted to get that in. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, you're good. I should have asked for one last thing before I kind of pseudo-wrap it up there. No, we're good. I'll I'll, – I'll make it happen. I think, I mean, <laughs> there's bait at every freaking gas station between here and your house, but for um, sure, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm not risking it, and I think um, my food plots look stellar enough that hopefully they'll, they'll. I mean, they're, the does are in there all the time, so it's just a matter for of sure. time. You know, I know it's still early. I'm not saying everybody needs to get out in the woods this weekend and 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 stomp around your whole property, but if you have, if you're, if you've been strategizing and you've been paying attention, um, and you have maybe some camera history or some scrapes that are getting worked real good, uh, consider it, you know. Don't let this cold front pass you by without considering it. Well, Jim, it's always a pleasure. I, I totally agree. It, it's always a pleasure. I love talking to you, and, and uh, you know, good luck at the lodge this weekend, and, and let's get together for some lunch or a beer soon and maybe do some hunting. Yeah, let's get together and hunt. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, thanks for having me, Jared. I really appreciate it, and uh, I respect you guys for everything that you're doing. You're educating so many people. You have great guests on every time. uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, listeners, for coming and listening once again to the Habitat Podcast. We really appreciate it. If you could, please do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you type out something nice, I will send you a free Habitat Podcast decal. If you haven't been to our website, HabitatPodcast.com, we have our Habitat Property Consultation Services on there under the Land Plan tab. Check out our HP Land Plans there. We also have hats, T-shirts, and decals up at HabitatPodcast.com. Of course, all of our podcast episodes And then we have a new Habitat Podcast journal where you can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts, um, you know, more of a blog post from us every now and then. We'd really love it if you went over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, found the Habitat Podcast, and please subscribe. 
That really helps us. And thank you very much to our sponsors. I'd like to thank Exodus Trail Cameras, The Squirrel at NutPlanter.com, Packer Max Cultipackers, Afflictor Broadheads, Killer Food Plots, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Realtree United Country Land Pro, Lake States Realty and Auction, and Morse Nursery. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers. Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lift, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents, anywhere, anytime, and on any device.